0: So how has the week been for you? Have you managed to connect to people through phone or computer, through words spoken at a safe distance when you've shopped or when you've gone for a little exercise, or someone has called by? Have you connected through your own thoughts and memories, perhaps even through praying or keeping silence? Have you connected with other people this last week? Or have you felt often alone and isolated? Well, I hope that worship today will help you to sense your part in a bigger family, to sense that connection. The big family of the church and the even bigger family of the human race. We are all in this together young and old, rich and poor, healthy and unwell, those of faith and no faith, from west and east, from north and south. We are all in this together. We are part of this crowd of humanity on this precious small planet. We may have to self-isolate or social distance from others, but we can't turn our backs on each other on our brothers and sisters around us and across the world. In a sense, coronavirus has shown what and who are most important in our lives. It's not celebrity status or wealth or power that matters in these times. It's ordinary humanity caring for each other, helping each other serving each other, using the gifts that they've been given for the wider good. Today we remember a crowd of humanity jostling for places, climbing trees and cutting branches, rubbing up against each other as they try to catch a glimpse of a man riding on a donkey, the prophet from Nazareth there's excitement in the air as pilgrims arrive in the great city of Jerusalem ready for the national celebrations of the Passover. The city is crowded and noisy and there's an air of excitement. Excitement over who this Jesus is and what he might be about at this critical moment in the nation's history. And alongside the excitement is tension too. The tension of the religious leaders, worried about what the crowd might do and what this Galilean preacher might say. And there's tension in the ranks of the Roman soldiers, patrolling the city, nervous of potential riots or rebellions in this occupied territory. In deference to the holiness of the city, the pilgrims walk ready to be overawed by the great holy temple where their ancestors have gathered and worshipped and offered sacrifices for generation upon generation. But the city itself is uncertain whether to welcome these pilgrims who have come from far and near who bring with them challenges and new teaching and a would-be prophet who is questioning much of what they hold dear. In the midst of that crowd comes Jesus riding on a donkey, ready to be acclaimed as King, as Son of David, as the one who comes in the name of God and comes to reclaim the city for her Lord. His acted-out parable on that donkey is both full of humility and full of bravado. This is no warhorse, no triumphal entry on a chariot. It is on the much-abused, overworked donkey that he chooses as his steed. It's the ordinary people's beast of burden, It would be like our Queen arriving at the Houses of Parliament in a reliant robin. There's an image of a different kind of King here. One coming in peace, not war, in gentleness and compassion, not violent power, in humility, not arrogant pride. But it's still the image of a King. There is bravado here, a very public chal- challenge to the powers that be, the powers of the temple, and the powers of Rome. Rather than humbly walking into the city, here is Jesus riding through its gates. Everyone recognises the sign. The words of the prophet Zechariah come immediately into their minds, and the great psalm soon follows, as the crowds shout out, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. One of the great Passover Psalms became linked forever in Christian minds with that day and with that King, Jesus of Nazareth. The Psalms include words that have become a rallying cry, for Christians from that day onwards. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this, and it is marvellous in our eyes. The love that Jesus offered on that day was rejected. The word of hope that he gave was silenced on a Roman cross and yet it could never be silenced. His giving of his life became life-giving for others, a cornerstone on which a new temple was built, a new humanity created, one that could reflect that love that he lived, and lived out on the cross and beyond. The psalm that the crowd used on that day, ends with an affirmation that we can hold on to through all that life throws on us today and in the days ahead. Give thanks to the Lord for God is good. God's love endures forever. Hold on to the goodness of God and try to reflect that goodness to others. Hold on to that love that endures forever. The love of God that we see in Jesus will never fail. A reflection from Christian Aid that came to me this week puts it like this, love never fails. Even in the darkest moments, love gives hope. Love compels us to fight against coronavirus alongside our sisters and brothers living in poverty. Love compels us to stand together in prayer with our neighbours near and far. Love compels us to pray and give and act as one. Now it is clear that our futures are bound together more tightly than ever before. Let us love and know that love The love of Christ that never fails. Amen.